Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with his legs. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast, season number nine of this nonsense. You would have thought we'd have got tired of this a long, long time ago. I've certainly got tired of Martin Clunas. Martin, good evening. How are you? Oh, I'm really good, Richard. I've had a great seven, what six, seven weeks of not having to talk to you once a week, so it's been magic. It's been beautiful, and I think probably switched <laughs> off from the football as well, which is important to have a close season. I just I you know, I, I long for the days when basically all you had was the P and J to keep you in touch, and they just wouldn't mention the dawn from May to the end to the middle of August, basically. Uh, but here's a man that's been out and about to pre-season games, to uh, SPFL trust games, and whatever football you can manage to fit in over the close season. Uh, Martin Ingram's back with us. Uh, hi, Martin. How are you? I'm I'm very well. Yeah, uh, just just back for a few days on on holiday, touring the SPFL grounds of Edinburgh. And uh, a big, big recommendation if anyone hasn't noticed beforehand, it came as a pleasant surprise when I was at Ainsley Park to see that there's a, a lovely display that uh, Gordon Strachan apparently uh, was brought up about a mile away from the ground and he donated uh, an international strip, a uh, cup winner's cup, Aberdeen top and a, and a whole host of medals. So if anyone ever gets around Spartans Way, be sure to check it out. And they, and they do sell a lovely pie as well. Okay, there you go. There's your recommendation for Spartans. Um, obviously, we didn't have that pleasure in the League Cup group stages this season because we weren't in them. We leave the humiliations involved in that to teams like Dundee United, uh, who lost at Spartans. Um, so, <laughs> on with the show. So it's been it's been an interesting summer. Um, try and catch up and cover some of what's happened. There's been obviously a lot of turnover. It it feels like more of a rebuild, but it, it's probably actually not when it comes down to the, to, to the core amount of first-team minutes that you've lost compared to past years. But, of course, you've got to bear in mind as well that there's been another change of manager as well. And this squad is really, I suppose, Barry Robson's first attempt to try and stake out his own way of doing things, uh, Martin Clunas. So uh, how is it looking to you? Obviously, there was the, the, the two... I think the two biggest and most important signings are the guys that probably were here last year in Leighton Clarkson and Graham Shinney. Having them is really important. Obviously, we've lost you know, we've lost some players that are, have been important as well. Um, you know, McCrory and um, I, I think we can just basically you know we can we can be assured that you know barring a minor miracle of him failing a medical or something, we're obviously going to lose Ramadani as well. Um, but I think it's going to it's important. You know, we're get, obviously getting a look at what. Barry Robson wants to do. I mean, you know, we've signed we've signed 
you know, a bunch of foreign guys um, <laughs> who are going to be, you know, who you know, most of us, you know, don't know very much about, you know, um, from across Europe. Obviously, we've had some, a couple of them are on loan as well. Um, you know, Williams and um, Ordadia. Um, but it's going to be, it's going, it's going to be interesting. It's interesting to see how he's how he operates because obviously, but in the past, we've seen with Derek McInnes and Russ Richardson, where um, very happy to just stick with, you know, the domestic market, um, stick with what you know, stick with what you can identify quite easily. Um, there's obviously there's a new structure at the club in terms of um, in terms of recruitment and things like that. You know, um, with the work that Stephen Gunn does, obviously the limited time he's been here, Alan Burrows as well. Um, so it's going to be slightly different, and they're going to be looking further afield. Um, so I am actually, you know, I, I say this at the start of every every podcast we do before a season starts, that I am excited. I'm always excited for the start of a new season. But I think this one um, is really, really kind of piqued interest because we're seeing guys coming in where, you know, short of a bit of YouTube here or there, um, a lot of us don't really know anything about. And that's, you know, you know, we hear good things about them and, you know, you know, it, you can you can chip up some guy who's you no know, who's watched you no know, some sort of Balkan football or something like that, but for the most part, um, it's a bit of a step into the unknown. Uh, yeah, Martin, the, the uh, Martin Ingram, they're definitely doubling down on the um, data-led strategy, aren't they? Yeah, it's one of those uh, pre-seasons where it, it really has been a struggle trying to work out or find out as much information as you can about some of the the newer players that have come through the door. Um, a, a, a modern anxiety has been the fact that there's been a couple of guys we've signed in where um, I haven't even been able to find a Wikipedia page on the player, and uh, I was uh, expressing a concern about that to my friends, but then he did say there's been some um, incredibly unimpressive signings from Aberdeen in the past who did have Wikipedia pages, so it's maybe not the best judge of uh, whether a player might be any good or not. So um, so I think, but I think in, in, that, in that scenario... In in a number of seasons gone past, you at least would have had, and again, I think there had been a lot of criticism. Maybe going back to the Derek McInnes days, which 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 you can see as visibly with his current recruitment strategy at, at Kilmarnock um, of sourcing within the UK or from players that the manager had previously um, recruited before. So you maybe had a bit of a better feel for the background of the players and and how well you thought they might fit or not. Whereas I think with with this, it is a little bit more of a leap into the unknown from the from the fans' perspective, but from within the club, I mean, it's been quite clear that they've been uh, getting a very good strike rate with the players that they've been recruiting using that data-led system, and we'll be discussing Ramadani in a bit more detail going on, but that's a good example of a player who's been identified, maybe not a complete bolt-out in blue, blue being a, an Albanian international, but somebody who we've been able to bring in for a reasonable sum of money um, who's been very successful in the season he's played with us and we're going to be able to turn over for a very healthy profit and potentially with a sell-on on top of that. So um, it's a it's a strategy which has seemed to have worked very well, um, certainly the, 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 the last season. Um, a little bit concerning the amount of turnover, but uh, I come back to what you were saying, Richard. I, I entirely agree. I think this would have been a, a much more concerning situation if we hadn't been able to bring back Graham Shinney and, and, and Leighton Clarkson um, at that point, I think you would have been looking at a team that was missing quite a substantial spine from, at least from the team that that, that that saw a lot more success from when Barry Robson came in afterwards. But I think at least now you've got you've got the spine of the returning team coming back. You've got Cal Roos in goal, Angus McDonald where he's fit again coming back in at the back. 
it would have been lovely to keep Ramadani, but at least you still got Clarkson Shinny in relation to that, and then um, Miofsky and Duke up front. So now we're, we're, we're I think we still are short a few more players, especially if Ramadani is going to be leaving. But at least you've got you've got a core of players in there. You've got a number of hopefully quite exciting exciting signings that we've already brought in, and and maybe one or two players to uh, add to that before the end of the the transfer window. So yeah, exciting to see what happens. And are you completely sold on this? strategy and certainly the the emphasis on the strategy because I think there's valid criticism of the team in the first half of last year this is even before things went completely pear-shaped in that uh, week from hell that they weren't really bonding as a team whereas by the end of the season with the guys that Robson brought in and no doubt with Robson's character as well with um, his assistant as well you saw such a tremendous team spirit but I'm not sure there was too much evidence of that in the first half of the season it did feel quite disjointed and as I say that's even before you got to got to the very pits of hell that was that week in late January um how much of that is down to having core individuals like Shinny in the team? How much do you think it's about the managers and the coaches creating a creating a good environment for these players to bond and, and become a team? It's it's a bit of both, obviously. But I think, as I say, I would have been a lot more worried about that if we'd not been able to turn uh, Clarkson and Shinny. And I think in that regard, I think Shinny's maybe the more important aspect out of that. Um, we, we throw about words like, culture and it's very easy to say when a team is doing well and is and is successful you can accredit all sorts of things to good culture within the team and 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 not otherwise but i think that's something you could genuinely say about the group of players um and that that can only be developed by players working with the coach being with each other um, and developing that, so so it's not a big surprise where in a situation like what we had this time last year where you had uh, a team that I think the big difference last season was you had a team that had struggled pretty badly after another big overhaul under Stephen Glass. Um, Jim Goodwin came in at that point, but he didn't really manage to get much of a tune out of that team when he first came in. So I don't think they ever really um, managed to build anything in the, the period of time that Goodwin was in charge prior to the end of the season and he made it very clear early on in his charge that a number of the players who they inherited he simply didn't think was good enough ironically including some somebody who he's now gone on to sign for Dundee United this season so make of that what you will um but as a consequence of that that then required a massive overhaul by dint of the fact that Goodwin had made up his mind pretty early on that he was going to cast aside the majority of the players that he inherited and, and start start afresh so what else can you really expect then to, you'd have to have a considerable amount of time to then gel those players together in order to be, get, to be able to get a cohesive tune out of them. Whereas this time around, I do think there'll be a lot of advantage to the fact that you've got a group of players that um, will be representing the core of this team. They have been successful together. And I think they genuinely do seem to get along together. And I think it's you know it's, it's, it's telling that even with one or two of the players, I mean, I think the likes of Ross McCrory and Matty Pollock, they, you, do, you do see that they, they still appear in current players. Um, I mean, we're still calling it Twitter, right? Uh, and we're still calling it tweets. Um, but yeah, they, 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 crop, they crop up in each other's Twitter feeds and, you know, just passing comment on each other, which indicates the fact that there was, you know, if, if I'm thinking last season, there would have been a number of guys that once they were out of the club, they probably would have, wouldn't have given two fucks what happened about Aberdeen or the players in the club afterwards. Whereas 
there does there did seem to have been a genuine togetherness that was growing amongst those players and given that there is enough of a core group of those players still together hopefully it will still obviously take time to develop that with the incoming players coming in but i think there is a there is a there is a a core culture within the club and led by the coach which will hopefully be resilient enough to to overcome any any issues at the beginning yeah there have there have already been a rash of incomings and if um you needed to sort of guess we're in a pitch that uh, we needed reinforcements you could tell by by the guys coming in so um you know, accepting Clarkson and Shinny, who have already spoken about, obviously midfielders um, coming back to fill those spots. Angus McDonald returning as well at centre-back. You've got Nicky Devlin at right-back. You've got uh, Ross Dewan as reserve keeper. You've got uh, Ruby Zeke, um, the big lad from... Uh, who's, that's what we'll call him for now, and Martin, just to keep things nice and straightforward, the big lad. Um, big Ruby. <laughs> Reese Williams, um, who appears to be out injured immediately uh, on loan from Liverpool. If he does half as well as the last loan from Liverpool, he'll be okay. Um, or Dadia on loan with an option to buy. And uh, James McGarry looks like coming in on loan. Uh, uh, sorry, coming in on a permanent deal as well for a six-figure signing from the A-League in Australia. Um, most of those guys, defenders, basically. You've got... Esther Sockler is, the, is perhaps the most intriguing of them. Um, Martin Ingram, you were, you were actually up at Huntley for the pre-season friendly when um, he went goal crazy. Um, what do you make of him in the, in the time that you saw him there? You need to get your Aberdeenshire villages correct. It was Turf. That was Turf, so it was, yeah. You, you, got, you got confused by my uh, I just uh, get wonder, confused. Wonderful, wonderful cricketing banter on Twitter just half an hour ago when I was uh, uh, impressing you with my impressive two not out to... Get a battling, a battling draw for Stonywood Dice. I feel, I feel that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> I, I think that might be mid-season if we're really running out of uh, things to talk about. Yeah, I was at, I was at Turriff for the very first pre-season game, and yeah, um, I, I, again, th- this has to be um, taken in with the 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 most gigantic globs of salt being pinched at here, um, because I think. Turf probably aren't very far into their pleasing either at that stage, and um, you know we're rolling out effectively two completely different sets of first eleven. So basically, I think the first the first first eleven that came out probably softened them up a bit, and then the, by the time that Esther Sockler and the rest of the team went out, they probably were going to be in for a bit of a doing. But nonetheless, four goals is four goals, and he certainly was very impressive. I mean, my my first impression. Of, of of seeing him was especially given that Boyan Boyanovic wasn't playing was have we seen those two people in the same room at the same time yet they're incredibly similar looking um, I would say that Stockler looks maybe a little bit more physical maybe a bit more of a physical physically imposing striker than what Boyan is um, but very encouraged from what I saw from him on certainly on on that particular day um, there was a particular goal where another player that I was impressed in and we may, we may will come to him later Dante Polvara slipped a through ball into him and it was just he, he took the ball comfortably into his stride with one touch and then fired it into the top corner and I don't care what level you're playing against that's the kind of uh, uh, ability that shines through um, so it'll be interesting to see how that actually works out because um, on my, my, my biggest fear when Sockler came in and I thought well, he looks really good but then oh no does this mean that there's a, 
an imminent deal with uh, Duke Ormiovsky going outward. Um, that hasn't been the case so far. Um, but if it isn't, it's one of those things where it's, a, it, you know, go, talking about the stereotypical, it's the, the, head, the headaches you want to have. I think we're going to have three really, really uh, prolific strikers in our team and potentially only two places to play, at least to at least start for us, um, if we're going to be maintaining the 3-5-2, which seems like we're going to be doing. That seems to be the system that we've been sticking in in all the pre-season matches so far. Um, but yeah, uh, Sockler certainly struck me immediately as a, 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 a goal-scoring talent, and it'll be exciting to see the how, how, how the three of those get used as the season progresses. Well, you mentioned Dante Povara there, so uh, Martin Clunas, let's talk about the the two candidates that I can see most obviously for the uh, Just Like Signing a New Player Award. Um, you know, obviously, I, I thought Jaden Richardson might have been a candidate, but he's headed out on loan. Um, Callum Roberts, is, uh, his time with us has been extinguished, so it won't be him. Uh, but you've got Shaden Morrison, you've got Dante Povara, I think, as your two main candidates that uh, you can see Barry using that epitaph towards in the opening weeks of the season. They've both done okay in, when they've played um, in the preseason games. Um, Polvara, like like Martin says, there obviously saw the footage of the saw the footage of the goal um, that he set up, and it was you no know, lovely for him. Um, from what you hear, from what Barry Robson said, um, he's been really impressed. He's been impressed with him since he came back. He obviously he went away to was it Charleston Battery? Was that right? Um, That's right. Yeah, went away to there. You know, just um, I think maybe try. to Get him, get some, get him some time, to get him some minutes. Maybe toughen him up a little bit, playing a bit, playing some actual football that he isn't going to get over here. Um, <clears throat> so, but he's came back and he seems to be impressed. Um, you know, Barry Robs, Barry's saying all the right stuff about him. Um, so um, the Dante Polvara, da, start again. The Dante Polvara hype train starts here. Um, I'm driving. If anybody wants to get on, you better get on now because it's leaving the station soon. I just want to add that I'm, I'm also really impressed with how Polvara's played in, in the preseason. Again, I, I, I didn't get down to either of the, the, the games in England, but I was I, I, I managed to catch a stream for the Charlton game last Saturday. Um, and again, he looked really impressive. The, the, the only caution I would throw in relation to that, though, is... Um, because Martin's absolutely right. Um, he, he You've definitely seen the benefit of him being away and essentially playing, having been playing competitive football out of season for us when he was in the, 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 the United States. So the thing from that, though, is is the reason that he look, he's been looking really good in preseason for us that he's simply ahead of where the rest of the players are right now yeah. because he is coming straight off of playing competitive football very recently and coming in. So is it just a case that he... He looks sharper because he factually is sharper, yeah. or had he actually genuinely developed? I, I'm not sure I'd be going as far out as to say I think he is the natural successor to Ramadani in that midfield three. I think I think he would be my preferred person in there for Livingston and going forward. But I I would I wouldn't be surprised if we're potentially looking to bring an, another player in in that area before the end of transfer window. Yeah, that's called John Gallagher syndrome. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so a, a very random collection of um, incomers. We've obviously lost a lot of the lone guys out here last season. Um, Pollock and Scales were the ones which people are still holding out to hope they're coming back. I think Liam Scales is still a possibility, but uh, seems to have played, started a few games for Celtic. I still 
can't really see him being in and about a regular first-team spot at Celtic this season, however much he plays in pre-season. Um, surprisingly, we didn't take up the option on Patrick Myslovic. Um That will definitely be on the uh, Christmas here we go quiz at some point over the next five years. Can't you know? Do you remember who Patrick Myslovic was? Uh, Jay Gorta, Dylan Markandy. Um, then the, the we kind of knew about. Uh, this at the end of the season. There's a couple we knew about at the end of the season that weren't, weren't actually announced as part of the free transfers. Yeah, Ross McCrory's move was uh, was confirmed. Uh, that was obviously made that became public around about the time of the, uh, the split before the top six fixtures. Decent amount of money, I, I thought, uh, Martin Clunas for for Ross. Obviously, he's young. He's got. Um, a lot of the good physical attributes that you need to be a, a, a top footballer, but we come to the end of his three years at Aberdeen and we're, we're still basically in a debate about where his best position was, so, so I think he was very solid at right back, right wing back under Barry Robson. Yeah, I mean, he's unfortunately had slap bang in the middle of his spell at, spell at Aberdeen. Um, we had the Stephen Glass shambles as well, where we... Where we'd, we we discovered quite painfully that he wasn't a centre half, um, which I think, unfortunately, I think that clouds a lot of people's people's judgment of him as well. Um, but yeah, you know, right back, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we how many times did we ask the question? You know, when we when we haven't had a guest on, we would say, well, so what do you think Ross McCrory's best position is? And you know, nobody would agree. Um, and I think that's a, that's unfortunate um, because he, he was a good player. Um, I think he did well for us. You know, how well do you how do you define doing well? I mean, we didn't win a trophy when he was here, you know, but he's pl- he played some big games for us. He did okay. Um, he scored some good goals for us when when he did get up that end of the pitch. Um, you know, a little bit of a sour taste, you know, with the whole you know getting the wee operation. Um, but in the when in the end it didn't matter. We got third anyway. However, you know, it's it, it that leaves a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth. But you know, um, I guess that you know, as you say, he's a young, he's he's still young. This is probably this is opportunity for you know, in massive air quotation marks, a big move, which obviously just means a financially big move, um, because Bristol City are nowhere near as big a club as Aberdeen are. Um, don't at me, I'm right. Um, and um, so he just yeah yeah he, can, he goes with he goes with the best wishes you no know, he, he he tried he did his best for us I don't think anybody could accuse him of shirking, um, but he is someone that you know despite the fact that we don't know what his best best position was he's somebody who um, Robson has to identify that needs needs replaced. You know, funnily enough, an, an irony about all of this is that now that we know that Ramadani is likely away, had he still been in the club, um, he would have been my choice for the player to play in that position if Ramadani hadn't been available. Um, I know there's a massive difference of opinion amongst supporters about where his best position would be, but I've always been pretty consistent. I always saw him as uh, one of those um, engines in midfield. And I think the way that Barry Robson wanted to play that three, um, McCrory only, I think he only played there uh, right back because it was a, a case of, you know, making making places fit. And he was he, was, he, he did perfectly well at right back. But I think it was there to accommodate the fact that that midfield three of Shinny Clarkson and Ramadani was always going to be the three, and so that was where McCrory ended up. So I'd have I'd have loved to see, especially the way that McCrory, I bet the the way that Robson seemed to be seeing that wanting that midfield three to play, which is having two, 
you know, again, ener- energetic, almost box-to-box midfielders flanking Clarkson and letting him do the, ma- the magic in the, mid- in, in the middle. I think, I think, I think that's where I'd have always preferred to see Bacrodi play. But sadly, we're now in a situation where we don't have either either of them. So um, uh, back to square one, I guess. Yeah, not not convinced it was two box-to-box midfielders. I think Ramadani was sitting more. I, I don't have any of the data to back that up, obviously, Martin. We're not that prepared, and we're not prepared at all. Um, I've got basically a blank sheet of paper coming to this podcast. But, um, yeah, he struck me as a very Barry Robson player. Um, but it was still, it was, it was good money, I suppose, for a guy that had come in for... What three hundred thousand pounds? Obviously, it was a swap deal at the time with with Scott Wright, wasn't it? So we don't really know what the the true value placed on McCrory was. It it still seemed, from the numbers that came out, it still seemed like a, a surprising sum of money for him. And you know, I don't th- I don't think because of that, probably most Aberdeen fans are, are pretty comfortable with with that particular transaction. I would say, um, obviously we. Uh, we did have the free transfers and uh, once Ross Doohan was confirmed as joining the club, it was then confirmed that, that Joe Lewis has left um, Aberdeen and um, by the sounds of it, left professional football together and hopes to become a football agent. Um, it, we've spoken a lot about uh, Martin Ingram, about Joe Lewis on the show over the past couple of years. The, the, rather sharp decline um, and uh, I suppose the sadness that that induces because the guy really was uh, one of the top keepers in the league for for a good long spell. Yeah, I think unequivocally for me, if you, you, I'm about to be equivocal with that unequivocal because again, I think there's always the proviso about what your what your feeling is with regards to the very brief loan spell we had with Danny Ward, but keeping that to one side for me unequivocally the best Aberdeen goalkeeper of the last ten to fifteen years, and it cer- certainly when he was in his pomp. And I, I, I do wonder. It wasn't. It wasn't like ever kind of public knowledge that it was going to be the end of Joe Lewis's career at the end of the season. And yet it had, it had all the makings of that. I remember he was one of the players. I mean, and again, reflecting back now, it's easy to say so. But the three players that really dwelled after the the St Mirren match were. Pollock, McCrory, and and Joe Lewis, and of course Joe Lewis, who was there with his family and really taking it all in. And I did think at the time this is all very odd, given that I think I'm right in saying that he still had a, a year left on his contract, didn't he? So I thought that's that's he did, yeah. Um, but he did. I mean, he'd actually put his house in the market about six months mm. before that, and his, yeah. his kid, I think, was in the AFC Youth Academies and came out of it. So. Um, all the signs were kind of there in the background so, that something's so it, going to happen at the end of the season. So yeah, at that point it was kind of like one of those kind of you know best kept secrets, you know, that you know up there with the Nicky Devlin transfer that you know everybody everybody essentially knew that this was happening. And and again, I can only assume because again, given given that he could have stayed on for another season, given he was under contract, and again, he's the kind of guy that I'd have thought they might have investigated, you know, keeping on potentially on some kind of a coaching role going forward if he'd been interested in doing that. So you can only draw from that that he probably recognised himself that, you know, he he, he he wasn't capable of performing at the level that he would have wanted to to be a, a credible challenger to, to Kel next season rather than just a, a de facto backup. And... I'm assuming, therefore, he he made that call and that he decided it was a time to move on and uh, mm. head head back home. So if if that's the case, 
um, fantastic, very. I don't know about rare, but it's 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 quite admirable if in that situation to have a, a guy who kind of effectively calls time on his own terms, and and you'll he goes out obviously being uh, incredibly well regarded amongst the Aberdeen support. He put in a number of years of great service, and as I say, um, similar to where I mean, you could argue Kells may be in that position right now, but again, uh, there was definitely a point where you you could I think most people would agree that it was a spell that Joe Lewis was the best goalkeeper in in the Premiership, so. Wish him all the best with whatever lies in his future. Yeah, it feels like a, a real sort of mini tragedy that Joe Lewis's last three games for Aberdeen were the 6 0 at Hibs, the 1 0 at Darville, and the 5 0 at Hearts, where he both wasn't directly to blame for any of the goals, yet wasn't able to save anything on the, in those three games, it seemed. Uh, you spoke about a credible um, backup to uh, Kelleru's. Ross Dewan, do you consider him to be a, a credible number two? Or do you mm-hmm. consider him to be someone brought to the squad to help us uh, meet the homegrown player requirements? More the latter than the former, in my view. Um, obviously, and obviously something catastrophic must have happened with the, the, the Connor Hazard transfer that never happened, or, <laughs> or the Connor Hazard research, which got... Uh, spilled. So I think I think at that point, if it was known, if it was known fairly early, um, in or, or fairly early on um, during last season, that Joe had made it clear he was going to be moving on. I think this is, I think this is more one of those kind of short-term arrangements where you get a player, a competent goalkeeper in. So again, I'm not. I don't. I don't think he's real realistically in to challenge Kel at this stage. But I think what they wanted to do is bring in a a competent pair of gloves uh, that you know you could rely upon to do a good job if he's if he's if he's if he's required or or if they're thinking of potentially you know having a goalkeeper available for you know league club duty or, or whatever if we're if we're at that if we're at that iteration of our club development um, but yeah I think it has feel something more in the Thomas Chesney kind of feel rather than when we brought Roos in it's I think when Roos was obviously brought in at the time he was obviously being viewed as someone to to take over the number one where I think this is very much just having someone in place to be uh, a credible backup Yes, the Connor Hazard situation. You would have thought that two people who uh, both pay for blue ticks on Twitter, which we're still call it um, until we're blue in the face, um, would be more adroit at actually using Twitter. Um, just, yeah. Uh, and for all the, the sort of positive work that Alan Burrows and uh, Dave Cormack no doubt do for Aberdeen, it's still hard for me to take them seriously because they both do pay for Twitter Blue, which is, uh, it, it's either the preserve of... Um, Massive self-promoters. Alternatively, it, they're both um, mad keen crypto bros who really love Elon Musk. So um, neither neither outcome's a good one. The um, the some of the other outs are a bit more intriguing. I want to talk about someone who's never played a, a top team game for us, uh, Mark Lunas, uh, Lewis Perry who left to go to Leeds United. Now, we are going to lose players to large English clubs. Every Scottish team is going to lose players in that scenario, including the Rangers and Celtic. So that in itself is not a surprise, and Lewis and his family had to make a call on what they felt was right for them. However, my question is more general about 
player pathways because this has been something which has been uh, highly trumpeted in terms of one of Barry Robson's skill sets because he was obviously formerly, formerly the under-18 manager, that he'll give great attention to that, he'll promote players, he'll give players opportunities when he can. So obviously we, we saw last season Alfie Baffage being in and amongst the squad. Can you see this continuing with this flurry of new signings, with this uh, with this dedication to being data-driven and a wide-ranging scouting network? Are we still going to see the same level of opportunity for a guy like uh, an Alfie Bavage or Lewis Perry to be able to come in and get the minutes that they need to develop? It's going to be difficult. It's probably going to be it's probably going to be harder than it was before, and you know, we've we've whined about it before that. You know, like under, you know, under like for under example, under Derek McInnes, it was difficult for them to get in the team. You know, let's not talk about Bruce Anderson again. Um, so, well, yeah, it is going to be difficult, and it's it's disappointing to see see them leaving. But we've seen it in the past with uh, with Terry Taylor, um, with the other one that the name has gone that he went to Fulham. Oh, what's his name? But there's Archie Mayer at, uh, at Norwich yeah. as well. He went Archie. there. Um, the guy at Fulham, um, uh, Jack Grimmer went to Fulham. Grimmer he did at least play in the first yeah. team. So. so he played. He did. He did have a little, little bit of you know, an opportunity in the first team. But you no, know, we have seen. You know, we've we've seen this happen in the past, and young players and their agents or their families are seeing these opportunities at, to be in this to be in the coaching system at. Um, obviously, Leeds went down, so they're a championship club. You know, there's there is perhaps a bit to see a bigger opportunity for them there. Uh, than they do for for Aberdeen, and you know if it doesn't work out for them there, there's still the possibility that they can you know pick up another club, end up League One, League Two, and um, whatever, which is disappointing. Like it's 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 the it is the fine balance, isn't it? That you know it now that every manager has to has to try and find, and Robson's going to have to try and do that as well. Um, it's all very well having this great scouting system and data data network and all this kind of stuff, uh, but you know, you've got a You've got a whole, you've got a whole coaching system, um, a whole youth system. You know, from from all the leagues up. You know, you got to exploit that. You know, there's 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 an undoubted talent there. Um, and yeah, you you, you immediately obviously you mentioned Bavage. You know, you know, banging him in like it's going out of fashion. We're going to have to see some of some of him this this season. I would like to in terms of just seeing minutes, um, because. We can't just keep reading on a you know, reading on Twitter. It pops up that oh yeah, Alfie Bavage came on for forty five minutes and scored another hat trick against you know Saint Mirren under nineteens or whatever. Um, so it's 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 going to be tricky, tricky for Robson and the rest of the coaching team because they're going to have to they're going to have to integrate these guys into the into the you know the match day squad and you know but more importantly that you no know, getting the minutes. We spoke about some of the um, some of the guys who might be a contender for just like signing a new player award. Um, but there have been some guys who've come back from being on loan who, whose future is still very uncertain, who, who haven't maybe had a good pre-season. Um, so Anthony Stewart's one of those. Uh, Martin Ingram, uh, he has come off the bench in some of the pre-season games, certainly was uh, was playing down at Charlton at the weekend. And then you've got Vicente Bezoian, um, who... Again, has had minutes, has had opportunities, but certainly hasn't put his name in the spotlight in the same way that some of the other players have done. Do you think either of them have got a future at Pitodri beyond uh, the end of this transfer window? So much of it comes down to circumstances, because again, 
until two months ago, if you were asking me about players that might not have a future at the club, Dante Polvara would have been one of the guys on that list for me. And then he's come back from a successful loan spell and he's been really impressive. And I think he's not only going to be a, a, an important squad member, he might he might well be starting on Saturday um, with the situation that we're in. Whereas Anthony Stewart, that's an incredibly baffling situation because I don't I I, I can't recall a situation of a player being so out um, as when a new manager comes in, you're the captain of the club, and the first thing that happens is that you're asked to go on loan to a club in England. Um, that seems pretty out to me, uh, and yet I'll I'll tell you, I, I I give him an awful lot of credit because I think there are a number of players in that situation. Um, where if you call it professional pride or 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 their egos, I'm I'm not sure some players. Um, not thinking of anybody in recent times, but if a if a if a if a captain at the club suddenly fell out of favour, um, some may well have decided they're not going to be playing anymore and and, and going out the door. Um, so credit to Anthony Stewart for he's come back. He he was he was there. I was I was shocked to see him in some of the photographs at the preseason training in Portugal. Um, and he's getting his head down and he, and he's putting he's putting the effort in. Um, do I see him? Have, do I still see him as having any realistic chance of being involved in the team going forward? I, I don't. The fact that we've seemed to have signed, well, we've signed at least three or more, depending on where you see their 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 main positions. But we've signed three to four players that can play in central defence already this season. So I don't think we're doing that if we see him as being a genuine option. Nor nor should I think we do. But um, I do I do respect and admire the fact that he's come back in. I don't I I don't think it would be easy from the situation that he came into a year ago um, to have been quite spectacularly ousted from the club captaincy um, the way he did and to come back and be willing to put himself back in the shift. I, I I do respect that, but no, I don't see him having a future at the club. Um, uh, probably probably not. Um, for uh, any other reason than uh, I don't think he was good enough. <laughs> but um, again, I don't hold anything against the person himself. So no, I think I think it will be more working amongst the uh, the, the the group of players that have been brought in by Robson this season, together with those who were very clearly the players that were favoured. I mean, I think there was a there was very distinctly a group of players that he. Uh, doubled down and, and, and trusted when he first came into the club, and I'd assume that most of the other players will be will be heading out the door. It's happened with Jalen Richardson. Interestingly, it hasn't happened yet with Shaden Morris, and I'll and, and I'll I'll give Morris a bit of credit as well. He's actually looked relatively sharp in in preseason as well. But I just don't see, especially with the way that if if it does seem to be the case that Barry Robson is going to stick to that three five two formation, and when we get down to the serious nitty gritty, or is is Shaden Morris seriously going to be our right wing back in a three five two going forward in in against better teams that will actually put us under pressure and require him to be able to defend in that position. I just I just don't see it happening. But um again, um I've been impressed with what I've seen from preseason and, and time will tell. Oh, I, um, sorry, you said Bejuin as well. I, I don't think we've seen... Has, has he been injured again? I don't think we've seen much of him at all in the preseason. I did, I did see him. He was, he was, he was on for a, a bit in the Turf game that I was at, but I can't, I can't recall if he was involved in, in in much of the other games that were involved. Um, so that, that one's going to be a bit of an interesting one. But again, I'm not entirely sure where I would see him fitting in. Um, I don't think he's one of our best three strikers i don't think he's 
it within the midfield options for um you know with Ramadani going away we talked about Polvara but again going back to your uh, the point you're making about young players having an opportunity I think I'd much rather be seeing the likes of Conor Barron or Ryan Duncan being given an opportunity there if, if it's not somebody else so yeah don't know tricky I think on Anthony Stewart I completely agree with you that I don't really see a way forward but I think Robson's decision in January was as much about preservation for Stewart himself the situation had got so toxic that I think Robson rightly recognised that the only solution really was to get Anthony Stewart out the door and allow him that space. And obviously it didn't really go well down at MK Dons at all. He got injured pretty much straight away, didn't he? I'm not even sure he'd played mm. a game before he got injured. I think but, he only did get it one game and then he was out again, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I think there was an element of self-preservation or preservation for the player and uh, as much as how Robson wanted to set things up and uh, Robson's um, belief and uh, rating of him as a centre back, I, I really do get that feeling, and I, I think I think it was absolutely correct because uh, it had got so so difficult to watch and difficult to to be a part of, and there just wasn't a way back. Um, in the same way that there shouldn't have been a way back for Jim Goodwin after Darville, but um, yeah, so but I completely agree with you. That doesn't mean that I think that there's a long term place for him here I just I, I just wouldn't necessarily take the decision by Robson in January to move him on as purely a footballing one if you know what I mean I think there was an element of um, about him as a human being as well anyway um, so a lot of question marks I think around the squad around the fringes of the squad and I, I think that's where we're at right now we've got We've probably got a core who we can rely on and believe in, and that's uh, you know obviously we've got we've got a keeper who came back in after injury last year and looked really solid. You've got Shinny and Clarkson in the midfield who both really excelled towards the end of that season, and I think the big positive and probably didn't expect to be sat here a couple of days before the start of the season saying this, um, but we've kept hold of both. Luis Lopez, and Boyan Miofsky, Martin Clunas. That is the absolute bonus coming from it. We know we'd obviously heard that there was um, there was clubs in Italy sniffing about Duke, and of course we all panicked because you know he's the worry is that he's going to want to move. You know you're going to yeah. I don't think we're going to ex- you can expect or you would not. I don't think he would expect you know, it would be loyal to loyal to us. So he would probably want a, a move to whatever he would see as normal glamorous, glamorous league. Um, but we've kept hold of him, which is which is amazing. I mean, you know, Mayowski, you know, I, 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 I don't like saying it, but you know, the injury perhaps was a bit of a blessing in disguise for us. Um, in that, you know, clubs are clubs probably were clubs that were looking at him, and I'm sure there were. There definitely was clubs looking at him uh, as soon as he picks up that injury. Um, maybe just took a wee step back and they're interested, cooled off. Um, if he continues the first part of this season the way that he, the way that he was doing, then I, I expect probably in January we'll be you know, hearing the chatter about him again. I mean, the chatter will probably come anyway, but um, but that's something unfortunately we're going to have to do when you know when you've got good 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 players. Um, unfortunately, no guy though no, the. The way they're wanting to work now by you know like as we say with the data 
um, bringing in players from different leagues across Europe. These guys are going to want to, you know, probably they'll be quite nomadic. They're not, they're not, they're not going to sign two or three contracts and stay for, you know, six or seven years. I just think those I think those days are days are long gone. Um, so we can you have, kind of have to just enjoy these guys while we've got them. Uh, but in terms of continuity, um, like we mentioned at the start about getting Clarkson back in, I get about getting Graham Shinney back in. Um, keeping those two those two guys as well was was really vitally important. Um, and you know, fingers crossed, touch wood, all that kind of stuff. Um, nothing happens um, before the window closes, and we do keep hold of them because it's really really important for us to, if we're going to achieve. Um, anything positive this season so yeah so on the topic of don't get too attached to them the one that we are losing from um, last year's uh, last summer's investments uh, looks to be Ilber Ramadani who's um, heading off to Italy and you, again you can't really deny him that opportunity uh, for a guy that had spent the two seasons prior to coming to Aberdeen in the Danish second tier and getting relegated from the Hungarian top flight it's been it's been quite the career ascendancy hasn't it and uh, again from a from a personal point of view much much closer at home in Albania um, much more cultural similarities uh, there and a, a league with many 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 more pairs of eyes on it and he's going to get the opportunity to play in some tremendous uh, stadiums and against some uh, fabulous teams and I suppose as we've been stressing all along uh, Martin Ingram this is a model this is a model in action and it's an absolute success story for that mo- model well, you, you basically completely nicked exactly the sentence I was going to make when, when you posed the question to me. Um, we shouldn't we shouldn't be looking at this as a problem. We should be looking at this as uh, an absolute validation of the the the, the model that the, the the club is trying to do because the the very the very attraction uh, that or or the, or the sell that we're giving to these players is come and play Aberdeen again. We prefer we're we're holding on to these players for two or three seasons. Um, but what we're saying is, come to Aberdeen. Um, we'll we'll outlay a, a relatively small amount of money to secure your services, put your showcase your talents, and if you're part of a successful team, there will be the opportunity for you to move on to. Um, well, again, I, w- I wouldn't want to say bigger and better things. Is there anything bigger or better than playing for Aberdeen? Not in our view, but um, but in in terms of that, you know, the opportunity, you know. The opportunity to go and play CRA football must be an incredibly alluring uh, prospect, not just in terms of your footballing career, but just in terms of uh, uh, being able to sample sample a, a, a wonderful new culture. So that's a, that's a sign that the process is working from our perspective. And and the important thing is then, when we go through our current round of uh, recruiting, um, you can then show that as an example to prospective signings coming forward. Here's here's living proof, uh, uh, an example of a player who we brought in who's been successful at the club and has gone on to um, be able to showcase his uh, skills in, uh, in, in Sierra A or, you know, English Championship in the case of Ross McCrory. Um, so there, 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 there is that platform, and I don't think we should be shying away from the fact that um, I don't think I don't think players in the Balkans um, are are sitting in their bedrooms dreaming of uh, being able to one day play at Petodri. They they are they are seeing this as a, a career progression, and so uh, the better standard of footballer we can get under that premise, uh, the better, and the and the greater uh, financial 
benefits we can procure from that, the better for us as well. So um, in terms of what it means in terms of the first team squad, I mean, it is it is a shame. I think Ramadani is kind of right on that kind of cusp. I don't I don't think you would I don't think I'd view him as one of our key players in the way that, you know, if you're talking about the players that would really make the team tick. Um, uh, I, w- I would be far more upset to have lost a, a Majowski or a Duck or, or not or not to be able to brought, bring back a, a Clarkson or a Shinny. But there's no question he was, you know, he would, he would impend into the starting 11 for the start of the season had he still been in here. And he's clearly a, a loss to the first teams uh, and, to the, and to the squad more generally. So that is something now that we'll have to address at relatively short notice. Um, I'm also not writing off the prospect that we might still lose one of Miofsky or Duke before the end of the season. There's still way too much of a transfer window available for my liking. But um, yeah, I, I know what Martin's saying in relation to that. I don't, you don't, you don't want anybody to get injured, but it's not the worst thing in the world for someone to have a, a, a an injury at the very end of the season, which is just just bad enough to maybe dissuade people from investing in someone during the close season. But um, in a, where he's in a position to be backing up to speed just in time for the start of the new season. So if that's worked out in our favour this time, then fantastic. And, and as for Duck, I mean, he's 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 cutting about on holiday with an Aberdeen top on. I mean, I don't think there's any prospect of him leaving. He's uh, he's ours forever, so don't worry anyone. Hmm. Um, changes off the park as well. So you've got the rather su- surprising recruitment, I thought, if, if it's a similar role. Imagine approach a guy from West Ham. Uh, Jordan Miles, new head of recruitment, um, replacing Darren Mowbray, who um, made the return journey south. Uh, ultimately, that you know that shouldn't really change the process too much, should it, Martin Cleaners? It's just it's just a guy executing the process. No, yeah, yeah it should just be a, con- a continuance of, of what was going on before. I mean, you know, in the exact same way, like if your work loses an accountant, they hire a new accountant, and it's the same thing that goes on. I hate the word, but the process, yeah, um, the process of identifying these players and bringing them in um, doesn't doesn't change. It is just a case of the guy who's the guy who's made, you know, doing doing the kind of investigating or handing the piece of paper over, saying this is the guy, this is the guy we, I think we should get, has maybe changed. Um, but uh, you know, hopefully, you know, it's like I say, it's just like a, a continuance of, of what we've been doing. Um, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure you know these guys will come in. You know, everybody's the same. You know, you come in; they'll come in with different ideas, but ideas and maybe slightly different ways of operating. Um, but at the end, the end game and the end goal will still be exactly the same. So um, I don't see it really upset, up, no, upsetting much of the upsetting the apple cart in any kind of way. Some uh, changes off the pitch as well. At Petodre, it's had a bit of a tart up. It's got new electronic scoreboards to either side of the. TV gantry in the south stand. New dugouts have gone in. The old uh, classic old uh, Donald Coleman dugouts have gone. Um, those are both changes which are required for the group stage uh, football that's coming our way, of course. Um, more significantly, Martin Ingram, changes to the layout of the south stand. Um, obviously, looking taking away the fence, which visually will help anyone sat in the middle of the south stand with their view of the game. Um, should allow the ability for more walk-up fans, non-season ticket holders, to get half-decent seats together on lower-profile match days. And um, I wonder if maybe, just overall, the penny is beginning to drop. 
that there's not going to be a new stadium anytime soon and it makes sense to spend money above and beyond just essential maintenance on Pataudry. If the penny has dropped, then thank goodness it's only dropped about 20 years too late. <laughs> I mean, um, you, you, there there was, again, I'm, I'm sure it's been discussed on this very podcast a number of times beforehand, but I think certainly under the the Stuart Milne. Um, it's been nine years, mate. We've discussed everything about twenty thousand times. So we'll <laughs> we'll we'll move on. I won't I won't dwell in the past. Um, so in that regard, yeah, I think it's more encouraging that we're now starting to invest a bit more in the the ground. All, albeit, I mean, let's be honest. It's it's really as you've identified, a lot of the changes are really compulsory ones because we have to make those changes in order to make the ground fit for purpose for uh, group stage European football. So um, you know. I think it's more a case of being drawn drawn to the oasis than choosing to go and drink there uh, in some respects. But I don't want to be too critical in that regard as well, because um, from from the the beginning of uh, Cormac's uh, tenancy as as director, I mean, he would obviously been on the board before that. But um, I think some of the some of the changes, I mean, especially the 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 decision to devote the Merkland then to the Red Shed, I think that's actually been for the most part uh, uh, an unmitigated success really i mean uh, uh i know there are still some uh people upset about what what to do about the pyro and uh, bits and bobs like that but i mean you know i mean obviously there are health and safety aspects that need to be considered in relation to that but by the same token i don't think there's many people going into the red shed i think you know i think they know i think they know what the game is and what they're going to be getting in for in that area um as for the South Stand, yeah, RIP defence. I'm thinking some of the most, um, uh, some of the, some of the more mem- memorable occasions for, in terms of uh, uh, fan fan banter, fan exchanges will have happened across the divide of that fence. Some some iconic photography uh, as well, um, uh, or, 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 or or video recordings of goal celebrations from there that. Um, We'll fondly remember, but yeah, I think I think it is good that well, there'll be a bit more space in the south stand to accommodate, as you say, the kind of the the the, the walk-in support, um, and and again, which is probably needed because again, another good reason is there seems to have been um, uh, a phenomenal uptake on um, I think what was really the kind of Alan Burroughs driven uh, target of, or at least public facing driven target of uh, getting ten thousand plus season ticket. Uh, holders, um, that that campaign seems to have gone incredibly successfully, and and as a result, the fact that we're having to make that additional space to accommodate walk-in is 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 for a real purpose. Is that there seems to be, um, I think you're probably going back to maybe the the the, the earlier the, the very beginnings of the Derek McInnes uh, tenure, the last time that there was a that this kind of level of genuine positivity around the club that's actually been seeing in you know actual evidence of thousands of additional new season tickets on the previous season all albeit the the benchmark at that particular time was probably disturbingly low but um no i think they're all they're all they're all positive changes going forward and as you say i think it's i think i think i think it would pay for us to at least in the ensuing years take a more pragmatic approach in that if there if there is no genuine likelihood of a move to another another location in certainly in the short term let's let's make the the, the best of the place that we've got all right uh, to help um burnish out our blank sheet of paper that was our schedule for this evening we asked you for some of your questions um 
Twitter account Don's Memes asks, uh, how flexible and adaptable do you think will be this season in terms of tactics and shape? Do you think it'll be 3-5-2 all season? Or has anything that's happened with the recruitment made you think that there'll be more flexibility? Um, Martin Clunas, this one may be for you. Uh, right at the start of... Uh, by Robson's time in charge, it was it was a back four, um, and I think it changed midway through that game at Tannadice, which we won three one. That he abandoned that and went to the back three. Um, preseason does seem to suggest that it'll, it'll be three five two at least uh, for the outset this season. Yeah, it does, and I mean, you know, looking at looking at you know, what who 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 and what has come in, um, I think that just you know strengthens my, my opinions on that. I mean, it looks like we've got you know, potentially six six centre-halves. Um, you know, I know we can, we can argue argue the toss about you know, who and where goes what, but um, we've got plenty of centre-halves. I mean, I don't know, some of them might be moving, one, one of them you know, might be moving out, we never know. Um, so I think I think it will be will be 3-5-2 three, three, or whatever. It'll be definitely be a three anyway. Um, but, you know, there's a there is a possibility for it to change when as and as and when needed. Um, you know, you obviously you want to play your own game and all that kind of stuff. But there will be there will be times when you might want you might want to change it. But I think they've definitely got the bodies. We've definitely got the the players there that we can do it. You know, we've we've got you no know, we've got strikers that we can you know, have 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 the two up front, or if he wants to play four three three or whatever, we've got the the flexibility there. Um, so I think of I think there's no problem, but. You know, as it stands, it looks like we're going to be three five two, um, probably ninety for ninety ninety five percent of the time. What positions, uh, Martin Ingram? Do you think we're still missing, lacking? I, I mean, obviously, the number ten is, is is still the whole. I think in that squad, um, we were a long pursuit of Tonio. Tonio Teclo, is that his name? I can't, I can't, Teclich, I think. Teclich, that's the one. That's the one. Um, which didn't come to fruition. So, um, would you agree with that, or do you think there's other areas that need a little bit of work? Yeah, how do you mention it in the fact that you were a bit concerned about Shaden Morris being one of the the first options at right wing back? Yeah, I I think a lot of this will um, depend on how we we end up playing out. You know, um, when we finish the recruitment up, because um, I am assuming. This is where it's very difficult to kind of pick up an early pre-season because I think for the majority of the pre-season you had a back three where you had uh, Nicky Devlin who you'd presume will be playing in that right wing back position certainly against better teams where you need a better defender there I would assume he'd be playing there and not in the right centre back oh the right centre half position um, Jack McKenzie's been given a real opportunity to um, uh, pitch his case at left centre back. Um, if anything, I think I think he looks a little bit more secure there than as the left wing back. But again, like Johnny Hayes, I said this at the tail end of last season. It's nothing against Johnny Hayes. I think he's 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 obviously more than capable of playing that position. But I think he's getting the stage of his career where you wouldn't want him to be the the long term uh, the long term starting player in that avenue as well. So so for me, we've we have signed a lot of central defenders, but notably a, a number of them that either you know. Um, we're going with, I'm going with Big Ruby now. Big Big, big Ruby looks more like the kind of Scott McKenna guy that you'd plunk right in the middle of a back three and then uh, let players play around. Um, uh, or Daddy, I think, is a looks more like the kind of player that would be playing right centre-back slash right back 
depending on the opposition. We, we seem to be quite shorn of genuine left-footed options. So I think we're probably still in the market for a left-sided centre-half, a genuine left-back. As you say, if if you know I th- the Teklich thing, I think, is more looking at genuinely bringing in additional quality on top of what we've got. And that would always be the holy grail, is to get a genuinely... Uh, uh, European group stage quality uh, attacking midfielder or, you know, that kind of number 10 player, but they don't grow on trees. I think we need to be realistic. I think that's the kind of thing that had 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 that paid off, it would have been fantastic, but um, I wouldn't necessarily be saying, I think that's the kind of player where um, if we identify somebody who we genuinely, genuinely think is of that ability and that we can bring into the club, we'd obviously go for it, but I think if it's not that level of player, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want as looking to find a, a lesser quality player just to say that we have that type of player in there. Um, and then the other one obviously is um, I, th- I think we would still be, we would now be looking to recruit somebody long-term to replace uh, Ramadani. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for the likes of, again, a Pulvara or a, or a, I mean, Connor Barron should really be looking at that and thinking this is a golden opportunity oh, for absolutely. me to, you absolutely. know, cement my place back in the team from you know he should you know he should be this is where I could re-establish myself at where I was 12 months ago so but but I still think we'll be looking for again squad depth is going to be so much more important this season than in previous ones so I'm I'm sure we will be back in the market for um, somebody in that area as well yeah and that's a really really important point we are going to be bombarded with games up until Christmas Martin Clunas there is um, after the Sterling game and therefore the first leg of the playoff we don't have a free midweek apart from international breaks until the week before Christmas and if we hit the um, semi-finals or final league cup that'll go as well so you're looking at an absolute torrid run of games I'm assuming we beat Sterling by the way to to make that equation happen but uh, who knows Um, it's going to be tough and you know, I, last season I thought a great opportunity to, to get head of hearts and to, to try and get that third place was to get a good lead in the first half of the season because they would have been in the situation that we are now. I think we'll be doing very well to be at Christmas still on a hunt for third. I don't know about you. Um, look at, you're looking at the fixtures and what can come up. It is a, it is a mental amount of games we're going to be playing. Um, but um, I suppose, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't have it any other way. I'd rather be, I'd rather have this this schedule coming up than have, you know, the the shame of being in the Betfred Cup group stages again. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy to, to look at it, and we're going to have to, you know, I, th- I think that's why you know Mark kind of mentioned it there. You know, like you want to, you know, consolidate the squad that you've got, and maybe just bring in sort of like you know, if you can't improve in that position, you bring in somebody who can. Who can you know, you know be be a be a good or a strong backup? Um, but you know, I, I, on paper, I think we've got a very very good squad. Um, you know, I'm really excited about some of the new players. Um, you know, the, the Hearts Hearts will have some. You know, God knows how much European football as well to concern themselves with. Um, doesn't look like they've done. They they doesn't look doesn't look like they've done exactly any stellar business. Um, in the summer window as well, they've probably they've probably lost a couple of their better players, so that's obviously good for us. Um, it's hard it's hard to, it's hard to say, uh, but you know 
it's, if, as long as we're as long as we're if we're not clear in third, as long as we're in the hunt for third, I think that's that's a, that's enough for us. Um, because I you know, but it's going to be it's going to be difficult. There's going to be you know heaps of games. We're going to you know everybody needs to kind of we need to be have a bit of luck as well. Obviously, keeping people fit that's something Hearts didn't have last season. Um, so we need to we need to know just to kind of need to you know fingers crossed and touch wood and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's going to it's going to be difficult. But this is what we wanted. We finally we finally got there with the group stage football, um, and so I'm not going to complain about it. Um, we just have to rely on, you know, the process to get us the right players, to get us the right squad that can that can keep us up the right end of the table. Yeah. So basically, Martin Ingram, I, I think the the previous idea about the numbers in the squad are probably going to have to be adjusted a little bit this year because of the the need for extra bodies in the door. Uh, more generally, the question came in from uh, Dougal on Twitter about uh, broadly hopes and concerns over the coming season, which was a, a wonderfully broad topic for you to tackle. <laughs> um, I think concerns really just come in the same with what we've just been talking about. What will what will the impact of such a heavy schedule through to through to December have in terms of um, our aspirations in terms of because again first and foremost for me in any season is can we win some silverware and and what I don't want I, again I, I I didn't want to outwardly groan when you talked about assumptions of beating Sterling I know you didn't mean it in that way Richard but um, um, I, I would still think that we want to take games like that pretty seriously and I think. I think Stephen Glass at, against Wraith Rovers two seasons ago. Obviously, the Darville result last season. We weren't. I'm not saying we're quite operating a second, second, second elevens for those matches that time, but I think there was more team rotation than was necessary um, when you're playing Mislevich. Oh, I've even forgotten his name now. Mislevich in front of Gary Graham Shinney at Darville. I think. I think you're trying to be too cute at that stage, and I don't think Barry Robson will fall into that trap. Well, I, no, think I think you'll... the timing of the Sterling game as well, probably. The third game of the season, just Saturday, yeah. Saturday, Saturday. Well, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday. Saturday, Sunday, Friday, rather. <laughs> Get it right with the third time, because uh, that's bizarrely been moved to the Friday night. Um, it probably means, with a good six days ahead of the European game, probably means it will be much closer to a full-strength team. Yeah, but but I think for me, greater squad depth obviously is required. But I think that's more about having enough resilience within the squad to be able to change out players over the course of the next few months, for the reasons that we'll always use players. There will be guys that will pick up short-term niggles for a week or two, and you don't have to feel you have to play them in between that. They can you can you can then take them out, replace them for a game or two, allow them the appropriate amount of time to recover we'll, we'll have to have backup for when Grey Machini gets his next four match ban for whatever spurious uh demon demonistic tackle is a judge he's a judge to be made at some point in the season so for me it's more that kind of depth I think I think Robson it was very clear during during the last six months he once he focuses on I mean he was basically operating on a core of what 14 players on a 
on a week-in, week-out basis. And essentially, the changes came in situations where he was forced to switch people out for injuries or suspensions. And I don't actually see it being that much different. But just given the weight of games that we're going to have to play would indicate that, that we're, we're going to need to have a, a, a little bit more resilience in the squad in that regard. So so my concerns are around about that. that I don't. I hope we don't get... Because, I, again, I don't think we're a big enough club that we can start thinking about, again, taking... Take, take, taking chances with lower league opposition in cups and just throw it, throwing in a... Okay, good. Quote, quote so your fever. concern essentially is that we won't humiliate ourselves in a cup competition. Always. Yeah, and that's pretty low bar. Pretty low Always. bar, man. Okay, good. Uh, but, but, I guess in terms of, but in terms of optimism, my, my optimism is... Um, we're we're going to be playing European group stage football this season. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, um, I and I and basically my my main outside of court number one win silverware. We need to win silverware. Um, it was fantastic when we finally put the 19 years to bed in the 2014 League Cup. That will now be officially 10 years ago when we get the next opportunity to be able to win silverware. Um, and and you know. If we're not addressing that soon, then before we know it, we're 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 back in the same kind of ballpark in in terms of the number of years since we've actually won something. Um, we want to be at worst solidifying third place in the league. I don't see any reason why we we can't be able to do that. Not notwithstanding, you're absolutely right. The 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 sheer volume of games in the first half of the season dictates we might find ourselves in a very similar situation to what Hearts did last season, where you might end off tra- trailing off of maybe a, a club or two by you know, three or six points earlier earlier on in the season and find yourself in a situation where you might have to claw some of those points back further down in the season. What, what what I hope we wouldn't do is do a complete capitulation in the last few months of the season in the same way that they did. Um, but yeah, I think we need to be realistic in that. I think the goal is to, at worst, solidify that third place spot so that we put ourselves in the position for, for, as, lo- for as long as third place in the league still guarantees European football, we want to be the team that's benefiting from that. Um, and obviously, where possible, reducing the, the distance between ourselves and Celtic and the Rangers. Um, but in terms of immediate optimism, I'm just really looking forward to the draw on Monday seeing who seeing who we get to play in the playoffs it's going to be somebody difficult we're not going to have the luxury of Hibs and be able to take 90 minutes off and then catch up in the home leg against any of the opposition that we're prospectively going to be up against but it's it's the first time we've been in a playoff match to get in the groups for a while but it's also the only time we've been in a playoff match with absolutely zero, zero pressure on it because we know we're going to be in a group stage one way or another and while obviously for prestige and and financial reasons it would be much better for us to be in the Europa League than the Europa Conference there's still some fantastic teams and some fantastic locations that we could potentially find ourselves in even in the conference group stages so just yeah 100% optimistic for that Good stuff, good stuff. I managed to coax some of that out of you eventually. <laughs> um, the One last uh, fun one for you, Martin Cluners, um, and it's from Grant Heath, who wants to know what player or players from other SPFL clubs, excluding them, um, and I presume he means two of them, uh, would you take at the Dons if possible? Um, no, Jesus, um... I did have a look at this. I mean, you look around the squads and, you know, having... And, um, maybe Shall I tell I'm, you mine? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm... Cl- Shall I'm I tell you mine? This. On you go. I take Lawrence Shankland and punt him on loan to Air United immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
I mean, I may be clouding this by the fact is that the you no, know, pretty much mo the only football I've really watched so far um, this season is 180 minutes of Hibs played. I wouldn't take any of Hibs players um, at the moment. Um, you know, you look at you look at Hearts. You know, Liam Boyce maybe, but would he start? No. Um, Halkett maybe, but would he start? No. Uh, the only one I really would no, I think would be a decent get for us would be. Um, Bacchus from St Mirren. Um, that's pretty much about it. You know, you look at other teams: Dundee, St Johnston, Ross County. Don't I don't really fancy any of their squad. I mean, that sets me up fantastically for this podcast for this season when you know some some prick listens who's a Ross County fan. You know, they beat us one 0 and they can go. Oh, you said our squad was shite. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, Keanu Bacchus I think would be would be a decent get for us defensive midfielder. Nice and energetic, you know. Potentially could slot in, slot in that um, Ramadani-shaped hole that might be appearing. Uh, but other than that, don't fancy any of them. Yeah, there's been a, a lot of chat about Bacchus. I think you know, us Hearts Hibs all perhaps maybe looking at him. He was due to go to uh, Bolton earlier in the window, and that didn't happen. For whatever reason, um, I wonder if um, Bacchus is maybe the slightly sexy foreign option. Whereas I, I wonder if the one who makes St Mirren tick and is also a defensive midfielder but can get forwards is maybe Mark O'Hara, who obviously is um, would also help with the squad registration rules as well. I, I, I know that that's not a, a sexy option whatsoever, and I, I don't, again, I don't think he's getting in the team. But I don't want to get into the, the sort of dangerous habit of thinking that oh, there's no one else from the other. Uh, nine SPFL team, uh, SPFL top flight teams who are going to get into our team because I because I because I suspect Martin Ingram that that is a very incorrect assumption. It it, it probably is. Um, I, I my, my my own thoughts in terms of sorry, I'm completely sidetracking that and then coming to my own thoughts on who I'd want to bring in. Um, and it was interesting. I'm exactly the same boat as uh, Martin. The only the only team I've really seen any action on so far is Hibs and their two legs in in the Conference League qualifiers. Um, and <laughs> one I thought about was uh, I, I would, I would, I've ordered a soft spot for Martin Boyle. I would, I would take him back. I'm not entirely sure how he would fit in with the way that Barry Robson plays, but I was actually thinking with an ulterior motive. I was thinking on the, in, with the, the Aberdeen women's team in the back of my mind, because I was thinking when Calarus came in and then his wife, Nadine Hansen, has now made the, the captain for the Aberdeen women's team. So I'm thinking we get Martin Boyle in for the, for the first team. And then if uh, Rachel, um, can then get coaxed up the road and she can play in the women's team then again it'll be a useful two for one deal for that one um, but yeah I don't think I think in fairness I think the the most encouraging thing about the way that we go about our business now is that we're not relying upon just trying to find the 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 best of the rest within our own leagues anymore and we are actually scouting further afield to try and find um you know there is there is literally a whole wide world of talent out there, and I think the days where we noticed, you know, oh, uh, you know, Jet or Curtis Main happened to score two goals against us last week, we'll sign that guy. Um, I, I think there there lies the road to destruction. Um, I'm I'm far happier. Um, I mean, again, if a stand if a standout candidate comes out, and again, um, I don't see anything disparaging towards Nicky Devlin. I'm sure he'll come and do a really good job in our regards. But I, in general terms, I think I prefer our approach now, where we're trying to cast our net further afield for for that 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 kind of 
genuine quality talent. There's a game on Saturday, Livingston. Do you want to, do you want to talk about it or? Nah, we'll hum. No, okay, good. Because uh, uh, yeah, what can you what can you say about heading back to that? Uh, it's just yeah. I can't. There was an excitement, inherent excitement about the start of the season, but a venue like Almond Vale, it really does its best to suck that joy and that excitement out of the fixture. I know exactly um, what you mean. If I, you, I really feel, if only the first game could have been the home game against Celtic rather than this, but you know we are where we are. We really, we really ought to be. I think when you when you see how downbeat. Uh, Martin Dale has been about his, his squad and the lack of the lack of ability to be able to bring anyone in to bolster his or well not even bolster just to replace the guys that he's lost and you know we're partially responsible for that. Yeah, his, um, his, his whining playing rope a dope has bit has, has got a bit bored over the past week. <laughs> yeah, do you think it's going to be two or three nil then? Yeah, Duke Hartrick will call it. Oh yeah, three nil. Yeah. Okay, um, we'll be back next week to talk about what happened at Livingston, which is a much more comfortable position for both you and us to be in. And um, until then, thank you to the two Martins, uh, Mr. Clunas. Cheers, Richard. And Master Ingram. Thank you. Good to be back. Absolutely. Uh, good to be back. Can't promise as many podcasts between now and Christmas as the dawns of games, but we'll give it a go to get something out on a fairly regular basis. With us, who knows what that means? Once every three months? Once a week? Take a pick. Anyway, until next time, come on you vets. <laughs> <laughs>